Matthew chapter number 8, I'll just preach a, a short message tonight, a few verses. I want to read just three verses out of Matthew chapter 8. If you're physically able to stand, if you're not physically able to stand, then that's all right. Matthew chapter number 8 and verse number 14. Matthew 8 and verse number 14. The Bible says that when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. Father, I ask you to bless the reading of thy word tonight. I appreciate and thank you for the singing that we've heard. Thank you for your people tonight, the opportunity to give in this offering. And we thank you, dear Lord, for the testimonies, how they blessed our our soul tonight. And Lord, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. We thank you, Lord, tonight for answered prayer. God, for all the prayers you've answered. We thank you for that tonight. And we ask you now to help us. And we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen tonight. I want to preach just a simple message, but I want you to notice tonight in these three verses that we have read, I want you to see what we see about Jesus, first of all, and then I'll give you the title of my message. I want you to notice the companionship of Christ. As the Bible said in verse number 14, and when Jesus was come into Peter's house. You know, that that's a simple statement, but it's very interesting because that Jesus was willing not only to preach to people and, and not only to, to heal and to teach people, but he was willing to go to their house. Amen. And I'm glad that, that Christ is a personal Savior, that he will go home with you. Amen. Uh, false religion teaches you to go to God's house, but true Christianity teaches you that the God of this house will go to your house. Amen. And I thank God for the companionship of Christ. And then we see the compassion of Christ in verse number 14 as he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever that he touched her hand and the fever left her. Jesus was not going to go in that house and sit down in fellowship and let someone else stay there uh, sick and, and suffering in his presence. And that is not the Savior that we read about in the Bible. He was so full of compassion. And I think tonight uh, one of the number one marks of true Christianity is that we'll have compassion. Amen. God has showed so much compassion and so much mercy and so much grace and so much love on every one of us that it should just become natural in our life that we ought to be merciful. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. We ought to to love others even as Christ has so loved the church and and we ought to show grace and, and we see the compassion of Christ and then we notice the conquering of Christ in verse 16 that when the evening was come, they brought unto him any that were possessed with devils and he cast out all the spirits uh, with his word and he healed all that were sick. So in verse number 16, Jesus conquers devils uh, and he conquers diseases. Amen. And it wasn't just one devil and it wasn't just one disease, but it was every devil and it was every disease. And I'm glad there's no devil too big for Christ. Amen. I'm glad there's no disease uh, uh, that's too big that what Christ cannot heal. And we see the conquer of Christ. But when we come to our text of this evening we come to Peter's mother-in-law here in this house. And I want you to notice three lessons 
that we learn uh, from Peter's mother-in-law. First of all, we see the lesson of sickness. As the Bible said that he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. We see the lesson of sickness. That sickness comes to the just and the unjust. It comes to the saved and to the lost. uh, That just because we're saved doesn't mean that we're exempt from sickness in this life. Uh, uh, That takes away the message from the health and the wealth and the prosperity gospel preaching, false preaching should I say today uh, that if you're right with God you won't be sick. Well, that's not the case in the Bible. Amen. I'm telling you Paul suffered sickness. Uh, uh, Listen, others suffered sickness. Epaphroditus uh, and different ones uh, uh, went through sickness in life uh, and some of the greatest Christians that you'll ever meet uh, uh, will suffer sickness in this life uh, uh, but we are more like Christ uh, in suffering than what we are even in health. Amen. And so there's the lesson of sickness, but thank God there's the lesson of salvation. Amen. As he touched her hand in verse number 15, the Bible said that the fever left her. You see, anything that Jesus touches uh, is going to be better when he touches it than what it was before. Amen. And the very giver of life uh, and the very healer of life, uh, all he had to do was reach out and touch her. uh, And I'll tell you, that fever had to flee and that disease had to flee. Uh, because Jesus is so full of life uh, and he has so much power, amen. Uh, And thank God he saved and delivered this woman's health, amen. And there's a lesson of sickness and there's a lesson of salvation and uh, there's a lesson on service. Notice the Bible said that she arose and she ministered unto them. This woman, after she is healed, she gets up. I like this. She arose, she gets up and then she gets busy. Isn't the way it is when God saves you? Thank God he brings you out of the pit, brings you out of the graveyard. He gets you up, amen. And I'll tell you what he does then. He puts you to work, amen. We must be about our father's business. And this woman here, she ministered for Christ. And she ministered to all of those that were in the house. And what motivated this woman in verse 15 to minister? I'll tell you what motivated her in verse number 15. The fact that he touched her. You see that? The Bible said that he touched touched her. I like that old song that says somebody touched me. Brother Danny sings that and sung it for years. I'll tell you when God touches you, it'll make you want to reach out and help somebody else. Amen. If he ever touches you, you'll want to do something for him in return. You'll want to do something for others. I want to say tonight in verse number 15, notice that he touched her hand. The Bible says and he touched her hand. But he didn't just touch her hand. But he touched her health. Amen. You see, when Christ touched her hand, it affected her entire body. Amen. That fever was running rampant through her. But just one touch of the master's hand on her hand, it touched more than the outside. But thank God it penetrated to the inside. It touched her hand, but it touched her health. Hallelujah. I'll tell you something else it touched. It touched her heart. Amen. Amen. Because when she got up, she ministered. 
Nobody asked her to. Nobody commanded her to. Nobody told her she had to. There was a motivation on the inside. You say, why? She felt better. Amen. God had worked something on the inside, and now she's going to work it on the outside. Amen. If you didn't know this woman was better in the middle of verse 15 when he touched her because you couldn't see what was happening on the inside, you knew she was better when she got up out of that bed and she started ministering to others. You could see a change that would happen on the inside. It was evident on the outside. Amen. Because Jesus touched her hand. He touched her health. He touched her heart. Thank God he touched her home. Realize when he helped this woman, he helped Peter. He helped Peter's wife. I mean, I don't know Peter's wife, but it's her mother that's laid there sick. No doubt she's been tending to her and she has to be tired, but Jesus touches her and, and it not only helps her, but it helps everybody in the house. And now she's ministering to all these people. Uh, somebody's, uh, uh, listen, she's got busy uh, uh, preparing a meal or taking care of those that are there. She's being a blessing to others uh, because Christ has been a blessing to her and everyone is benefiting in this home tonight. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on help for the home. Because everyone received help in this home. What I notice about this home tonight is that this is not a worldly home. This is not a wicked home tonight, but there is weakness in this home. She has a fever. You know, every home tonight has weaknesses, every home has its problems. When I think about the fever in this text and this woman, this mother-in-law in this text here, I think about this, that this weakness in this home, it bears consideration tonight. You say, why? Because what she has, we could all have. Do you realize that? I mean, if you've had COVID, uh, there's a good chance you had a fever. Amen? If you had the flu, there's a good chance you had a fever. I'm telling you, listen, uh, you can identify uh, with a fever. We, we all know what it feels like to, to have a fever and it bears consideration tonight because the weakness that was in Peter's home could very easily be in our home. And I'm not just talking about a physical ailment tonight, but we must think about others. There when we look at other homes and we see the weaknesses in home, maybe it's in a, it's in a wayward child, maybe it's in a, listen, a shaky marriage tonight. We must consider tonight that the same weakness that we see in the homes of others bears consideration that it could also be in my home tomorrow. This weakness bears consideration. This weakness was beyond anyone's control. Peter could not help this woman. His wife could not help her. She could not even help herself. And I want to tell you, sometimes as a pastor, I see weaknesses in people's homes, uh, things that people go through and, and problems that they face. And I have been there myself. And I think you can identify with what I'm about to say. Sometimes things happen in our home. Maybe it happens to us. Maybe it happens to another family member in our home. But sometimes things that happen in our home, let's just face it, they're beyond our control. We can't fix it. We can't do anything about it. You know, if you see somebody going through something and they're not talking about it, it doesn't, all, it doesn't mean that they're not aware of it. It just means that maybe they don't want to talk about it. They probably see what we see. But I would say tonight that 
There's always in a congregation this size weaknesses that's beyond people's control. It bears consideration. It's beyond their control. And then the fact is that this weakness tonight, we, we have to consider that it could bring a casualty. That this woman with this fever, until we get to verse number 14, this woman, I don't know how bad a shape she was in. I don't know how bad this fever was. I know the Bible does say that his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. This fever had got her down. This fever had pulled her down. How bad this fever was, I do not know. But in Bible days, as well as even in our days, uh, uh, fevers could be deadly. Uh, fevers could take people's life. Uh, it could bring a casualty if this woman does and get the help that she needs. And can I tell you, sometimes weaknesses can get in our home and they can get in our lives. And if we're not careful, they can bring a casualty. You can lose a teenager. You can lose that preteen. You, you can lose that, that marriage. And I'm glad in this story, it don't end that way, thank God. And can I tell you, in our story, it don't have to end that way. Because tonight there is help for every single home in this building. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what the problem is. Doesn't matter what the situation is. You may be a parent tonight and you may be burdened and concerned about things that you see in the lives of your children. Things that you're praying about that you cannot talk to anyone else about. Perhaps you can't even approach them at this time. But it's burdens that weigh heavy on your heart tonight. Maybe there's uh, things that are lingering in your soul that you cannot share with anyone tonight. Uh, and you're here and you're sitting here and say, well, my home should needs help. Uh, there is something beyond my control. There is something I can't do anything about. There is something weighting me down. Well, I got good news for you tonight. There was help for this home. Uh, there's help for your home. Uh, there's help for my home tonight. There's not a home sitting here tonight that what Jesus is not able to help. See, it was beyond their control, but it wasn't beyond his control. And I think about this text that both God and man has a responsibility tonight. Remember this. God, there are things that only God can do. And there are things that we must do in order for God to do some things. You saw but Brother Gravely, God don't need our help. I understand that. But God is a perfect gentleman. Just like Christ in this text, He will not do anything that what we will not allow and welcome Him to do in our life. I want to say tonight that when I look at this text, notice three things and I'm done tonight concerning help for the home. I want you to see first of all that the help for this home, it had to do with the man of the house. The Bible says that when Jesus was come into, notice this, Peter's house. This is Peter's house. It is Simon Peter's house. He is the man of the house. There is him. There is his wife. There is his mother-in-law. I don't know if she lived with him. Maybe his father-in-law had passed off the scene. Listen, maybe she was living there. Maybe she was so sick that that is why she was there. I don't know the end of that story, but I do know this much, that Peter is the man of the house. He is the one that is responsible. He is the leader of the home. And Peter does something in this verse that... 
is, uh, is worth bearing mention tonight. The Bible says that when Jesus was come into Peter's house. Now, Peter is the man of the house. But what I notice in that phrase there is that Peter walks with Jesus. Amen. And Peter was working for Jesus. Uh, he was a disciple. and He was busy about the Lord's work. Uh, and Peter wanted Jesus to come uh, to his house. Uh, he welcomes Christ into his home. Uh, you see, Jesus wasn't someone that Peter just met out in the street uh, and that he worked with throughout the daytime going about witnessing uh, and being what Christ wanted him to be and then he went home and he was someone else. Oh no. Uh, but Peter loved Jesus for all the mishaps in Peter's life uh, and for all the things we could say about Peter. I'll tell you one thing. Peter truly loved Christ uh, and Peter may have made his mistakes uh, and he may have failed uh, but he wanted Jesus around uh, so much uh, that he wanted to take Jesus home with him. He realized had Peter not taken Jesus home, this woman might have died. She may have not got the help that she needed. But thank God for a man that loved Jesus enough that he didn't just want to serve him throughout the day or just one day a week, but he wanted Jesus to come to his house. Amen. You know, we need that in our homes. I don't think the responsibility of spirituality ought to be laid on the wife. It ought to be on the shoulder of every man. Real masculinity is seen in spirituality. It's not in biceps. It's not in how many guns you own. It's not in what kind of a truck you have. It's not based on, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, being a bully. It's not based on, uh, I'm telling you the greatest men I know, I never think about how big their muscles are. I never think about how broad their chest is. Uh, that doesn't want I, that's not what I think of uh, uh, that stands tall in our mind uh, as a man of God, a real man. Uh, I tell you what stands tall in our mind uh, is a man that knows how how to pray, a man that knows how to walk with God, a man that knows how to lead his family in prayer, a man that's got a working knowledge of that book. He may have never been to Bible college. He may not have a degree hanging on the wall, but he spent a lifetime living in the school of prayer and living and being a student of the Word of God, and he knows the Bible. He may not even be a preacher. He may not be a Sunday school teacher, but he walks with Jesus Christ, and when he comes home, where it matters the most, his wife knows he's a man of God his children knows he's a man of character a man of integrity a man that walks with God hey that will help your home amen don't misunderstand what I'm going to say it's not how loud you shout at church and y'all know I like shouting not, I'm not making fun of that in any way but it's not how well we can do things in here it's who we are behind closed doors. It's who our family, what our family, do our family see us as a spiritual leader? You say, I'm not a spiritual leader at home. Then start tonight. You know how you start tonight? You, 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 you get that right with God and then you'll just be clean and honest with your family and say, I failed in this area, this area. They're the most, your family's the most forgiving people you know outside of God. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be a man of God at home, a person of integrity. You know, it doesn't matter what people say to your face. People are good at telling you what you want to hear. Y'all know that. They'll say anything to make you feel good. But real character is what you say behind closed doors. Integrity, to be the right person when others are being the wrong person.
integrity to be a spiritual man on the job. To be a spiritual man when others are, you're around unspiritual people. Oh, that, that's what wins the confidence of people is when they see that you don't waver, you don't change, you, you don't put on the religious mask on Sunday and then you're Mr. Carnal uh, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and you put it back on for Wednesday night and you go back to Mr. Carnal Thursday and Friday. No, I'm telling you, our children need to know we have a prayer life. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I've prayed enough and I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I've got it all together. I'm here to tell you tonight, our children need to know that we can get a hold of God and that we pray and that we exercise prayer. Our children need to know we read our Bible. They need to see us read the Word of God. Our children need to know that we walk with God and that they can have confidence in their hour of need. That Yes, they can call the preacher, but more importantly they ought to be able to call their parent. I'm telling you, Lena, you call me any time, night or day if you need prayer. And I'll tell you the greatest, uh, listen, the greatest influence you'll ever have or should I say the greatest compliment you'll ever have is that before your children call the preacher they call you and ask you to pray for them isn't that right I'm not minimizing calling the pastor but I would want my children to call me first which I am their pastor so I reckon they get a double load there don't they but tonight how are they going to know that we're men of God by the way we talk I don't think there's a dad here tonight that cusses. Lord God, I hope you don't. I, I don't. You know, we live in a day when people go to church and cuss. That's so wicked. And they don't even feel bad about it. You ought to put your tongue on the altar if you've cursed and ask God to clean your mouth up. But, we li- but you know, I don't think there's a man in this room that cusses. But it's more than just than not using foul language. Do we use spiritual language? What kind of conversations do we have with our, our family? I don't think that, that we're, I'm talking to people that, that you have, you sit around and talk about perverse things with your family. I don't believe that for a minute. Perhaps, uh, surely to God, nobody would. But, but what I'm saying is uh, there needs to be more in our conversation with our family than, than you, know, uh, uh, you know, something about the things of this world. You know what I'm saying? Nothing wrong. Uh, listen, we're talking about uh, things in life that you enjoy. I'm not condemning that. But I'm telling you, our children and our spouses need us to have spiritual conversations. They need to hear us talk about the things of God and it will not come out if it is not put in. Isn't that right? I'm telling you there's nothing wrong with going hunting. Don't feel, I'm just using it as an illustration. It's that time of year and I'll tell you if you can kill a deer, kill a deer. Amen. But I'm just simply saying this. Listen, there's nothing wrong with hunting. But I'm telling you, listen, there needs to be more than just talking about things like that. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying talking about hunting. I'm telling you if it consumes you, if it's what you talk about all the time, there needs to be more. I, you know, I really don't know what women talk about, and you think I would, you know, with the girls growing up, but you know, they have such deep conversations with my wife that I just never fared to venture off into it, you know. This was out of my realm. And they made me nervous because they all three would talk at the same time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It may just shoot my nerves. Let's go off to another room. I don't know how they comprehend and interpreted each other all at one time, but they somehow, I reckon they did. But you know, 
I don't really know what women. I reckon you talk about clothes and makeup and jewelry. and I don't know what y'all talk about. And I don't want to know. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know what me and my wife talk about. What I'm saying tonight is this. She needs to hear more from me than just carnal things of this world. Tonight, the reason this home got help was because of the man of the house. Peter brought Jesus home. Husband, let me say this to you. No matter how hard a day you have at work, between punching the clock and coming home, have a little talk with Jesus because it makes things right. When you walk into that home, bring heaven into that home with you. I think it was because of the man of the house that they got help. And then it was because of the master of the house. They couldn't have got help without Jesus. Peter brought the right person home. He brought the master home. And I like this because when Jesus was coming into Peter's house, notice this, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. I mean, you notice that his focus immediately when Jesus goes in the house, he focuses immediately on the weakness. That's why Jesus needs to always come to our house. That's why we need to bring him home with us tonight. When you go home after a Sunday day and you'll have things you'll talk about, maybe you're going to talk about your week and maybe you're going to talk about some events that's going on. Nothing wrong with that. I'll tell you, listen, we ought to bring the master home with us because I'll tell you why. He always focuses on the weakness in our home. He knew the weakness in this mother. I'm so glad tonight he knows my weakness. He knows her weakness. He knows your children's weakness tonight. I'm glad we have a God. He wants to focus on the weaknesses in our house. You know why he focused on this weakness? Because he wanted to help this woman. Amen. That's why he was looking at her and he saw her. He saw that she had a need. I'm glad we serve a God tonight. He knows every need in our home. He knows every need in our marriage. He knows every need with our children and he is focused on them tonight. Say brother Gravely, I want my son, I want my daughter to be saved. I know you do and I got good news for you. God wants them to be saved too. When my children was growing up, uh, we would get under such a burden. We, we wanted to see them get saved and, and we would pray for them to get saved and sometimes it would almost make me sick at my stomach. I wanted to see them saved. And the Lord said something to me one day that gave me such great peace. He said, son, you pray for them. But I want to tell you something. He said, I love them more than you love them. And he said, I want to see them saved more than you want to see them saved. Well, I'm telling you, that took the pressure off of me. I didn't quit praying for them. It didn't mean I lost my burden. But it gave me such peace. To know that I wasn't carrying that burden. We wasn't carrying that burden by ourselves. God was carrying that burden with us. I tell you, you keep praying for the salvation of your children. But while you're praying, remember, He's focused on them. And if your children are saved, He's focused on their spirituality. He doesn't want to just see them saved. He wants them to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The master, the reason this home got help was because of the man of the house, the master of the house. We see his focus and thank God we see his favor. Amen. I mean, this woman's laying here sick of fever. Jesus doesn't ask for permission and he didn't have to. And Jesus doesn't look around for approval and he didn't have to. But Jesus just 
just saw a need and he focused on that need. He could have left this woman laid there. I mean, listen, she wasn't related to him. He wasn't there to heal somebody. He knew what the need was and he just reached out and touched her hand. You want to talk about the favor of God? That woman's laying there as far as I read. She doesn't even ask for it, amen? But she sure did appreciate it. He reached out and got a hold of her hand and just like that, I'm telling you what had been weak and what had been a trouble in her home, it was taken care of in an instant. I want to tell you tonight, praise God, you may have a burden, you may have a weakness in your home, but you just hang on. All it's going to take is one touch of the master's hand and hallelujah, that weakness, it'll be gone in an instant. For all the years that a prodigal is gone, you know what it takes to turn the tide? Just one trip back home. For all the lonely nights and the tears that were shed on that pillow, when that father looked over that hill and he saw that boy coming a great way off, all of that turmoil fled. And tonight I want to tell you the master, his focus, his favor, and I notice his freedom. He was free to do whatever he needed to do in Peter's home. And I think that's the question we should ask ourselves. Is the Lord free to do whatever he needs to do in our home tonight? Does he have full access like he did in Peter's home? That if he sees a need, he's able to work and do what need, Or do we have things in our home or are we doing things? Are we engaging in things or have we allowed things in our home that hinders him from being able to do what needs to be done. I think the reason this home was helped was because of the man of the house, the master of the house, and then because of the mother of the house. You see, this woman, I don't know her name, but I can tell you some two or three things about this woman. I see her trust in Jesus. Because when Jesus touched her, the fever left her. This woman believed Jesus could help her. And you know tonight, if you want help, you can get help, but you got to trust him. you got to believe he's able to help you. Now, it's easy to say it. What God wants us to do is put it in shoe leather. You know, it's really the only thing God really is desiring from us tonight. He wants us to trust him with everything, with anything, with all things tonight. We all have different weaknesses. We all have different needs, but there's one thing we can, I can't do anything about some situations no more than they could. But I'll tell you what we can do, we can trust. This woman is overtaken by fever. She can't heal herself. She can't help herself. But here comes Jesus. And he reaches out and when he gets a hold of her, she trusts him. She didn't pull that hand away. She willingly let him take that hand. And her faith in him healed her. And then I see her thanks to Jesus as she arose and she ministered to him. She took on a task. She helped him because he had helped her. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll forget all that God has done for us. Sometimes if we're not careful, we'll say, man, you know, I, and I know nobody did this. You know, I'll stop and say this. We're blessed in this church in more ways than we realize. You know, there's a lot of pastors who won't even have revivals no more because people won't come. I mean, I've heard them, and there's preachers tonight, there's preachers that, that, that'll have two-day meetings because they'll say, preacher, I just can't have a three- or four-day meeting. My people won't come. They're too busy. And it's sad. The people have 
forgotten what God has done for them. You know, I'm glad we're in a church that when it gets 12 o'clock, that, you know, I usually give an invitation at 12 o'clock. I just do that because I do that. I don't even know why I do that. I, I just have done it for years. And, and uh, if I feel led to preach past 12 o'clock, I will. But I reckon the reason I give an invitation at 12 o'clock is because usually about 12 o'clock I'm getting hungry. I'm just being honest with you. I eat breakfast at 6 o'clock, and so by 12 o'clock, I mean, my stomach's starting to remind me, hey, you going to wrap his sermon up? Let's go eat some chicken, praise God. But I'm glad we're not in a church that people start doing this. And don't leave. Can I say that? Don't you get up and leave church. Stay till the end. Can I get an amen? An extra 30 minutes ain't killing nobody. I've been in churches where when it get a certain time, I mean, they just start filing. Man, that'd burn me up one side down. If I pastored that church, they'd vote me out. I'm going to tell you why. Because I wouldn't put up with that two Sundays. Can I get an amen right there? I'm not talking about if you're throwing up. Get out of the building if you're throwing up. Amen? If you got diarrhea, get out of the building. I'm not saying that neither. We don't want you here. But I'm telling you tonight, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about if you, you know, I don't know why. There, there are certain limitations as to why, but I'm telling you something. I've seen that crowd. When it gets 12 o'clock, they start gathering stuff up. It burned me up one side down the other. I preach on that every Sunday till either they left or I did one. Y'all still with me, aren't you? I'm just telling you, we, that ain't, God ain't a million miles of that mess. Nobody's that busy. Somewhere that's in that text. I know where it's at. If we're not careful, and I'm talking to me tonight, can forget how good he's been to me. Tonight, for just a moment, before I close, think about this. What if you were living in Africa tonight in the jungle? Can you imagine that? What if you were living in China tonight? Behind the Iron Curtain of Russia. Never seen a track, never seen a Bible. Not allowed to worship. What if tonight we, you're living... You lived in Cuba. I was talking to a preacher the other day. I was preaching for and he told me he went to Cuba. He said it was the most amazing thing to preach there. He said because he said he, he went to this area and he went to preach there and he said that they rode for, it was two or three hours through this dirt road out into the middle of just the jungle, just going nowhere. He thought they were never going to get there. But what they were doing, they were going deep enough into, the, into, into hiding so they could have a church service. And he said an area opened up right there. And he said there was a, there was a little building there. And he, the preacher said, now they'll be coming here in just shortly. They're, they're, they're walking to get there. He said, they'll be coming here shortly. And, said, and, said they, and he told him, I can't remember how many people it was. But however many people it was, he said, he looked at the size of that building. And then he, 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 the number of people, he said, there's just no, absolute no way that those people are going to fit in that building. I don't remember how this took place, but he told about how somehow they had designed that building to where that, that when everybody got there, they was able to raise it up and, and the entire building just flared out and all of a sudden it seated th- three times the amount of people where they could close it back down where it didn't look like a gathering place. How do you think about that? And here we are in church on Sunday night. We advertise our services 
We invite people to come. I'm not shaming us or scolding us. I'm just saying, I'm reminding us tonight. We are blessed. Nobody walked to church. We rode to church. And they'll go there, and he said they'll, they'll literally preach you to death. They, they don't want to leave. You, he said you preach till you just can't preach no more. And when you're done, they just sit there and look at you and hope that, that you'll say some more. They, they want to hear more. They, they can't hear enough. And in America, where people have heard so much, that, and they're so busy, that they're just like, uh, when is he going to quit? Uh, I mean, we got school. and we. I mean, boy, such a premium on school. Isn't that right? Uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather my kids grow up dumber than a box of rocks uh, and not even be able to write their name uh, in box cart letters uh, but know this Bible and know how to walk with God uh, and know how to live for Jesus uh, and know how to pray and get a hold of God. Uh, I'm telling you, they'll do all right uh, and just keep them under the shadow of the steeple. Uh, uh, Keep them under old time leather lung preaching. Uh, uh, Keep them around the saints of God. Uh, uh, Keep them close to the fire all the days of their life. Uh, We have being blessed, hallelujah. I'll tell you what you do, parents. You get all the help you can for your home. You take them to every church service you can take them to. You put them under all the preaching and the right, and you read the Bible to them, and you, you live for God every single day. I'm going to tell you why. Because they're going to need every bit of it. Every single bit of it. For when they get married, You be a fanatic for Jesus. You be a fundamental fanatic. Can I get an amen right there? I thank God I am a 1,000% fundamentalist. That means I believe all the fundamentals of this King James Bible. I believe in being a Baptist. I believe in the King James Bible. I believe in the church, amen. Not a fellowship, not a worship center. Hey, listen, not a tabernacle. I believe in the church, praise God. I believe in the old-fashioned King James Bible. I believe it is the only, uh, listen, word, copy of the word of God for an English-speaking people. I believe we ought to support every missionary God will let us support. I believe we ought to give everything we can to missions for the glory of God. I believe tithing is still scriptural. I believe living right and living clean and dressing right seven days a week and dressing modest and having convictions and standards. I believe every bit of that. I believe the doctrine of my friend of salvation and justification and predestination. I believe the doctrine, amen, of getting the gospel out. I believe the doctrines of this book. I'm against Calvinism, amen. I'm against water dogs. Somebody say amen. I'm against my friend liberalism and modernism. I believe in staying the old-fashioned way. It was right 35 years ago and I'm more convinced tonight it is still right. We're not changing. We're going to stay with it all the days of our life. Hallelujah. Praise God. And those that won't stay with us, God help them, but we're going to roll on for the glory of God. This is right tonight. It's 150% right. People question so much nowadays. They need to quit questioning. What they need to do is get in their Bible and start reading. You don't have to question things if you'll read that book. Amen. I believe a man ought to still get a good haircut. Amen. That means off the collar and off the ears. Somebody say amen. If you got a beard, it ought to look look clean shaved, not shaggy. Somebody say amen. 
It all not look like lice have moved into it. Amen. That's right. I'll be clean. I'm not against beards, but I'm against some beards I've seen. Somebody say amen. Now you wait till some crowd gets a hold of this. I'm sure they'll put that out there. And I don't give a good glory rip, amen, because it's still right. I won't have to take a half a baby aspirin, amen. You know why? Because it helps people's homes, amen. I'm telling you, people are starving to death spiritually in these no-name churches, amen, where they're sitting around playing church. I, I'm so glad, I thank God, uh, that my friend in 1988, I got a hold of something that was real. I'm glad, thank God, he put me in the fire. I'm glad he put me under some men of God. I'm telling you, he knew how to preach a paint off the wall. He knew how to deliver a burden. Some of them had no formal education, but they got plugged in. They walked with God and they preached with a touch of God. And these bunch of Johnny come lately that come along and think they know everything and they've got it all figured out. I say, let them sail on. Amen. I'll just keep flying the same flag. I've been flying, praise God, because it was good enough in the 80s. It was good enough in the 90s. It's still good enough in 23. It was good enough when we got married. It was good enough to raise our children. It'll still work. Hallelujah. Brother, I'm feeling so good right now, brother lady. I don't care if it hair lips all a hell. I don't care if it turns them upside down. I'm telling you tonight, thank God for old timey, Holy Ghost, heaven sent, heartfelt preaching, amen. Christians all not go to the movies. Hell not play the lottery. Hell not smoke cigarettes. Chew tobacco, dip snuff. Somebody say amen right there, Brother Thomas. I'm working on you. Ain't doing pretty good, ain't he? You're trying. I appreciate it. I pick on him because I know he don't care. Hey, you know what? I appreciate people that won't be so sensitive. That's right. Brother, my preacher, somebody say, he did everything but call their name. I'm going to tell you something. My preacher would call your name. Don't you thank God for that? He wasn't mean. You know I'm not being mean. Isn't that right? I don't know if you dip anymore or not. <laughs> well, I appreciate your honesty. Amen. I've been praying those cans would go up to $10 a can so you'd have to get. He's so tight. He's tighter than a bark on a tree. You know that. I would say a tick's tail, but my wife don't like it when I say that. Pretty tight, ain't it? But if it goes to $10 a can, guess what? He ain't gonna, he ain't gonna buy, he ain't gonna buy it to you, amen. Hey, listen to me. Television's destroyed America. The filth. The, but don't blush at nothing no more. The internet. Video games. I mean, listen, you don't know why people are killing people today. Because when they were teenagers, they played. I don't know what they played. They shot up and killed and so many people in fantasy land. I'm going to tell you, they let them devils get in them is what happened to them. That's what's wrong with this generation. Demon possessed. I tell you what, don't buy you. I'm going to get in trouble here. Don't go out and buy them some video game. Buy them a bicycle. Now get an amen. I know I lost a bunch of y'all kids when I said that. They'll just gain 40 pounds sitting around eating Doritos, playing until their eyes are bloodshot and bugged out of their head. 
It's pretty bad when you're 16 years old and the only biceps you've got is in your thumbs. <laughs> that right? Get a bicycle. Go play in a ditch. Boys and girls, not the same, to get, but boys get you a ditch, girls get you a ditch. That's right. And throw rocks, not at cars. Somebody say amen. Yeah, that's right. Ain't that right? Go outside. Go outside. Do something with your life. Ain't that right? Amen. We lived in a... We lived in an apartment. My wife will testify to this. We lived in an apartment. We lived in apartment 47. It was the back of the, of the complex. And right across the ditch, some people from who knows where owned that property, but they lived in, I think, in like a whole, they, I know they lived in another state. And my dad just kind of, you know, we lived in Murray County, so we had a different mentality, you know. He went over there and just cleaned off an acre and for the next 10 years, we had a garden. And I said, Dad, can we do this? He said, oh, they ain't ever going to know, son. And uh, we gardened all year long, all summer long. And uh, it was outside. I'll tell you what, we had chickens. And we lived in apartments and we had chickens. <laughs> Many roosters and hens. But you know what? We didn't get set in front of a television. I thank God for that. Amen. And now, God help them, they've got sodomites on the television. Whew. No way I want my children seeing anything like that. I don't, you know, I know none of that's in that text tonight, but it will help your home. You know, get rid of that stuff. Clean it out. You say, well, what are we going to do? If we, if, if we, if we don't have... A TV in every room, and if we don't have video games, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You have supper around the table together. We'll find out what everybody's doing and how their day was. You're going to communicate. And as a parent, you're going to know where your children are. You're going to be able to tell stories to them a hundred times over. That won't mean nothing to them when they're, teenage, when they're young, but as they get older, it'll mean everything to them. That's what you do. Well, we just need that in our homes, don't we? I'll tell you why I preach this way, and I mean this tonight, because I know the devil. We got such great families in this church, and I appreciate, I appreciate the families in this church. We have great families. We have moms and dads who are trying their best to raise godly homes, and I appreciate you for that. And you could go to a contemporary church tomorrow if you want to, but you've stayed here. And I, I think, I, I appreciate that so much. But I also know tonight that if you don't mention these things, the devil's going to do everything he can to go after your home and your children and your marriage. And as your children get older, he's going to tell you this. You remember this when they get this age. He's going to tell you, well... Yeah, you you kept them from you kept them from playing ball, and you kept them from high school, and you kept them from the prom. None of y'all want to go to the prom, do you? Can I get an amen right there? 
Anybody want to go to the prom? Thank God. You kept them from the prom. And the, if one of them goes astray, the devil will tell you, well, if you'd have let them, or if you'd just let them went to that high school. And I mean, we got kids in public school. I'm not against that. But we got parents here whose kids go to public school who they don't let them go to the prom. Amen? And I commend you for that as a parent. It ain't God's will for everybody to do their education one certain way. You just do what God wants you to do and you do it. And you do what God tells you to do. But thank God, you know, if you say something about the prom nowadays, boy, I'm telling you, it really upsets people. But Christians don't dance. Amen. When David danced before the Lord, it was a holy dance. It wasn't a boogie-woogie. Amen. He wasn't break dancing. Amen. Holy dance. Christians, they don't, they don't dance. And Christians don't listen to worldly music. And Christians don't do the things that them young people do after dances. That's right, tonight. But if your children go astray and you raised them right and you told you, now you can't go to the prom. If they go astray, the devil will say, well, there's where you went wrong. I'm going to tell you something tonight. You don't lose your kids over something like that. Amen. You'll, if your kids go the way of the world, there's only one explanation for that if you raise them for God, Brother Jason. It's because they chose to. They have a, they're not robots. And they have to make their own choice one day. But I promise you, if you raised them right, when they get out there, how you raised them will not depart from them stay with them all the days of their life I'm so glad we serve a God tonight he wants to help our home and as we stand I appreciate you and love you tonight you keep on raising your kids right you keep on doing right you be faithful keep loving your spouse you love your wife you spend time with her you you love your husband You, you thank God for your husband if you got a hard-working man, you thank God for him. If you got a man that comes home every day, if you got a wife that cooks supper and washes the dishes and takes care of those kids, you thank God for that. That's a blessing. That's riches money can't buy tonight. You got a good church to take your family to and sit on the pew. You thank God for every member of your church. Thank God for a place to worship. You know, I'm glad that our church ain't perfect because I'm here. That'd be a lot of pressure to have to live to perfection. I'm glad we got a good church tonight to come and worship God. You keep your children under that and you teach them how to love God and then how to live for God. And you ask God every day to help your marriage, help help you as a parent. Ask God every day to give you wisdom for this day how to raise your children and you have convictions and you don't listen to people that have lost their homes and their children don't listen to that crowd you just listen to the word of God and people that have done it the way it ought to be done that's help tonight for the home Father Lord I hope I haven't said too much 
God, from my heart tonight, I just wanted to bear the burden of my soul tonight. I want all these families to be serving you and their children. And help us tonight, Lord. Help us as parents, help us as adults to be good examples in front of our children. We're not perfect, but help us to do what Peter did. Help us every day to bring Jesus into our home. That they'll see Christ. They don't have to see us, but help them to see Christ in the center of our home. Help them to know that God is real at home as well as the church. And Lord, we'll thank you for that tonight. While we sing a verse of this song, you just mind your own.